and welcome to Comic Pop Returns. I'm Tiffany, and today we've got something special for you. We've done interviews, we've done conversations on this channel, we've done reviews, we've done lists, all of it. But today we wanted to talk a little bit more about the behind the scenes of how comics get made and not just any comic, but in particular, The Hunger and the Dust. I love this book. I love the world that's been created. And now we get to peek back behind the curtains and find out how we got there. Because today I am joined by the creative team behind it, G. Willow or Willow, uh, Chris and Michelle, who are writer, artist and colorist on the book. And I am thrilled to have you all. I think we're going to kick it off wherever this all started. It was kind of percolating for a long time. I am a longtime player of various massive multiplayer online games, uh, World of Warcraft, the Elder Scrolls series, all of that good stuff. Um, and for a long time, I've been really fascinated by the way that the depiction of orcs has changed over time from sort of like a Tolkien-esque, you know, creepy, semi-intelligent, goopy, disposable villain uh, to, you know, somebody like Thrall in World of Warcraft, who's kind of a tragic hero and quite buff and does all these cool spells and things like that. And that evolution was really interesting to me. Um, you know, I didn't think about it in too much detail, but it was always kind of there as I was playing and, and uh, you know, building my characters and that kind of thing. And then uh, the pandemic came around, everything shut down. Uh, you know, a lot of comic book stores kind of went on hiatus. A lot of projects went on hiatus. Distribution all changed. Um, and so I started uh, finding myself at, at kind of loose ends. I, I had to quit about half of my workload and teach my kids how to read and write <laughs> um, because there was no school really for a year and a half. Uh, and it was uh, kind of in the spare moments when I wanted to give myself a break from the apocalypse. I started thinking about this book that kind of brought together a lot of the ideas about the evolution of orcs as characters um, and wove it into this kind of ecological apocalypse that looks a lot more like the one that we're dealing with. You know, I, I think, um, you know, we, we've seen various kinds of apocalypses, apocalypse tie in <laughs> fantasy literature over the years. Uh, you know, famously winter is coming and all of this stuff, but usually they don't quite resemble what's actually happening around us. Um, and there was a point uh, where in Seattle, during the worst of the pandemic, we couldn't be inside because everything was closed because we had to distance from each other, but we also couldn't be outside because we were having one of these successive horrific forest fire seasons and we had the worst air quality on planet Earth. Um, and so it really felt like a descent into hell. And <laughs> so I kind of was like curled up with my laptop and out of it came this idea for this epic saga about uh, orcs and humans having to band together against uh, a common foe, but also being forced into proximity by an ecological apocalypse uh, that neither of them knows how to fight. Um, and at first I was like, nobody's gonna publish this book. <laughs> this is, <laughs> like, this is just sort of like, you know, a, a thought experiment. Um, but, you know, a year in, I had two generations of story gamed out. So not just the characters that you see currently in Hunger in the Dusk, but their children as well. Oh. Um, and so when Mark at IDW was like, hey, do you have any 
ideas for, you know, create our own series. Do you have any non sort of superhero stuff percolating? Uh, and I was like, in, as a matter of fact, I do. You might think I'm crazy, <laughs> but I'm going <laughs> to tell you. Um, and I pitched it and Mark was like, sounds great. So really it just came out of a very YOLO, life is too short, <laughs> pitch the hot orc book yeah. mentality. And, uh, you know, and the rest is history. You know, like I'm, I'm really grateful to IDW to putting together this creative team because, you know, as soon as Chris's name was suggested and he started sending in these, these kind of rough ideas, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah, and Michelle yeah. as well, you know, brings like a real depth and, and a level of storytelling that I think sometimes might be invisible to the readers, but it's happening on a subconscious level oh, uh, yeah. with the colors to show us changes in climate, changes in time of year, like just all sorts of amazing stuff. So, um, you know, it, it, it really has been a complete joy to work on. And, and I'm just happy that everybody took a chance on it. Ah, uh, I am too, honestly. Like, I am truly thankful to IDW for like going like, yes, let's let's make this happen because I love this book. So you pitch the book. What are the next steps? You know, are do you do you start writing outlines? Do you start writing scripts? Uh, do they immediately start trying to pair you up with artists, colorists? W what happens next? Yeah, so I wrote a a pitch. Um, and when that got approved, I started working on an outline. I, I used to not like to outline, but I've really come to appreciate in the last few years how vital they are for uh, episodic storytelling. And in particular, when you're building a world from scratch, you really need to keep a handle on the pacing. Mm -hmm. The pace is very important. It's easy to get bogged down in detail and then everything slows down or to rush through things. Um, so keeping that pace feeling natural and feeling like it has momentum is a real challenge. So I started outlining uh, and uh, you know, Mark Doyle at IDW began suggesting artists. Uh, you know, Chris was at the top of that list. Um, and I, I'd known him from his work in, in the bat office. Uh, and I, you know, I thought he was great. Um, what I didn't realize was that he is such a consummate world builder. And okay. I, I have just, like, I've said this on several different interviews. <laughs> so if I'm repeating myself to anybody who's heard me talk about this before, I apologize. Um, but, you know, like you see in the book, you see that a character is wearing armor, for example. Mm -hmm. um, Chris hasn't just gamed out that armor. He knows what they're wearing underneath the armor. He knows what all of the little decorations mean on every little piece of the thing. He'll be like, okay, you know, like this is original and this they would have picked up, you know, just kind of as, as scrap. And it's, it's uh, you know, like a relic from one of the other civilizations that has gone extinct and this and that. Or, you know, a few weeks ago, randomly, he was like, so I made an alphabet. <laughs> I made an orc alphabet. Here it is. Here's everybody's name. In this Two alphabets. <laughs> <laughs> Two alphabets. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. So just oh, absolutely yeah. wild about the world building. And I then Michelle it. was Chris's uh, idea. He was like, that, that was the only name. Michelle's name was the only name that he brought forward. He was like, Michelle. And I was like, great. Yeah. If you like her, I like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Chris, did you get uh, a call? Did you get an email? Was it like, did they pitch it to you? Like, hey, we have this project. Yeah, so similar, I had um, Mark Doyle get in touch, who I'd worked with on Batgirl when I was doing stuff for DC. Um, he working on film concept art at the time, and he just came firing out of the blue. I spoke to him in, I don't know, maybe four or five years, because I've been doing other DC stuff. Um, and then he just popped up on my email just saying, 
him starting up this new thing with IDW and he just said, what do you want to work on? And I, I, it, I was kind of, did want to go back to comics, but I wasn't super, you know, like I just, if I was going to come back to comics from film stuff, I wanted to do something I really wanted to do. Um, so I gave, I just gave him like this bucket list of stuff that I wanted to do. And it was, I think it was, I was looking to do something with loads of world building, either fantasy or post-apocalyptic and um if we're going to do it i want to do it as a graphic novel so you do the whole thing in one go and then it comes out or or, um just make sure we have lots of time to do it and they've been they've been so good with all of that um and yeah and he was just like have you read my emails because i've got exactly this project that fits all of that criteria and i was just like and he said and also willow's right in it and i was like you have me at willow like this (laughs) (laughs) with a project of this scope how do you even start? You know, like you're you're like <laughs> part of this growing world. Are you like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start developing like lands. I'm gonna start developing characters. Like, how how do you start? Well, at the beginning, I have to say, I tried to be a little bit precious about the world. I was like, we're not gonna do a map. We're just gonna, you know, because it should feel <laughs> it, it should feel continuously strange like we're, we're not sort of trying to throw you into like a, a grrm place it, it should feel like a world that is shrinking that is that is becoming a little bit claustrophobic that has forgotten more than it remembers uh and so i didn't make a map that lasted maybe four or five months and then we were all like we need a map <laughs> it's ridiculous to do something like this without a map <laughs> yeah yeah um, so you know now we've got a map <laughs> that we do have like it, there's more blank space than there is filled in space because you know the the idea is there used to be many more civilizations in this world than there are now, mm-hmm. but as this uh, as the ecology and the climate has collapsed, they've either left for lands unknown and we've never heard from them again, or they've gone extinct, and their whole cities are in ruins, and there's desertification happening, which is pushing everybody kind of together. Um, so you know a very small part of this map is filled in. Um, also as we were building, I started adding bits and pieces from our email conversations to the Bible, Okay. <laughs> which was just so that we all keep track of things, you know, like here's the, uh, you know, like the orc dynasties that we've mentioned so far, and here's the landmarks that Chris has worked in, um, you know, and Michelle came up with like different, subtly different color schemes for like the different, uh, peoples and guilds and civilizations and all this stuff. Um, so I put all of that in one document so that we could yeah. keep track of it, but it was very much on the fly. You're over there, you're writing, you're scripting. Chris is working on um, pages, character designs. Michelle, I got to get you in here. When you think about fantasy worlds, I mean, really any world, but particularly fantasy worlds, I feel personally like color palette is super important because it's one thing to take like New York City, an established place and like do a spin on it or like, you know, adjust things here and there. You're literally coming in and going like, this is the look for these people. This is the look for this place. How do you wrap your brain around picking palettes uh, throughout an entire uh, land and make them feel cohesive, but feel different enough? Well, I need to give credit that the heavy lifting has been done mostly by Chris because he has actually established because, you know, he has all the history and the makings of the characters. And so he sort of differentiated all of that for me already. And my job was more to put them in place, them into the environment and be able to sell the cohesiveness and 
sort of ground them in that world. Um, and so I think with some art direction with Chris, we talk about the seasonality, the vibe we're going for, the atmosphere. Let's, for example, Willow had mentioned forest fires. Like we had one issue where it was very gray, very smoky, a lot of ash and sparks interacting with that. Um, so it's mostly about creating believable nature, natural seeming environments, but also integrating and creating this maybe eerie light or eerie atmosphere around them just to say that, hey, this is a fantastical world. It's not based in reality, but it looks totally like reality. It's so true. It really like brings another level of this life uh, to the page. Now, do you prefer, do you work traditionally? Do you work digitally? What's your, what's your preference? Um, I work digitally primarily. Um, I, it's just so uh, flexible for yeah. creating depth within um, each element, I guess. So I'll color the characters separately and then I'll color in the environment separately. And then what I do is do a compositing layer for both of them just to pull them in together. Um, so that could be use of like filters or lighting uh, layers that has, you know, will make something shiny, for example, or will make something seem dusty or hidden in the atmosphere. And Chris and I go back, you know, sometimes with that too, because, you know, certain elements need to be pushed just to help with storytelling. Oh, sure. And it's, you know, it's so much collaborating that I, I love I love all the teamwork that goes into this. That's so great. Mm. Chris, do you work digitally or do you work traditionally? Uh, ma mainly digitally, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I tend to do my like thumbnails and sketches and stuff like that on pencil okay. and paper, but I'll do um, everything digitally these days just because it's so easy and I can make it look a bit better. <laughs> mess around with yeah, it the quite undo, a bit. So. The undo button is priceless, hey? Yeah, no, it's, it's the reason why I'm so late all the time. <laughs> just quite, if, I did, if I had yes. that undo button taken away, I'd probably uh, be a bit quicker. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard of a lot of digital artists who go back to do some traditional stuff, trying to like zoom in on their pages after being used to being able to do so on a digital tablet. Like so. Yeah, I have my undo button attached uh, like hotkeyed onto my pen. So um, every time I uh pick up a normal brush or a pen i'm always just slightly tapping the <laughs> end of my pen to undo a line before i start rubbing it out that's so good yeah. so willow what was like was there a moment when you got some art back when you like were like this is all coming together like was it an early sketch was it an early page like was there's like this like aha moment where you're like this is this is gonna be great <laughs> oh my gosh you know like i have to say i I started getting chills the the minute that Chris started sending in concept art, to be honest, um, because, uh, you know, the story was was something very fully formed in my head. But the, the look that you give that story can really pull the vibe and, and sort of the the emotional tenor of the book in one direction or another. Um, and I was I was super curious to see where Chris would take it. Um, and, you know, like, I don't know how other writers work, but when I get paired with an artist and a colorist, um, I will make subtle adjustments to work to their style and their strengths. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I think there's, there's really nothing worse than a, 
a comic book that looks like it was kind of cooked up in a game of telephone that, you know, like there's, there's, it doesn't really gel that the, you know, maybe the writer is going for one point of view and the artist has a totally different point of view and everything just, you know, even if everybody's really good at their job, it just kind of looks a bit chunky. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Chris started sending in concept art and there were like all of these, you know, layers and like, this is, you know, when they take off the jacket, this is what's underneath and this and that. I was like, oh, we are cooking now. (laughs) We are cooking now. Stop. (laughs) It was, no, I mean, it was really cool because, uh, you know, it, it meant that we could make the world very lived in, uh, which is a key element, I think, for a story like this. A lot has to be communicated without words because you you don't have the luxury in a comic book of having two and three page digressions where you're just explaining, oh, this battle happened 500 years ago. And because of this, these people came. Uh, you can do that in prose. You do not have that bandwidth in, in comics. So what you have to do is leave visual clues that tell you this is where we are. This is maybe what happened before. Uh, you do that through placing background errata, like, uh, you know, here's a tumble down ruin and it looks like this. Here are these statues. And my gosh, it looks kind of religious, but we're not sure from where. Um, so, you know, if you go through each page of the book, and I encourage people to do this, if you're, you know, if you're reading month to month, um, you know, I, I do this too. It's easy to get a comic book and kind of blitz through it and because you want to know what happens and then you get to yeah. the end. Um, this book really rewards a reread where you can go back and see like, oh my gosh, I've seen that symbol mm-hmm. somewhere else. Or mm-hmm. we've been to these ruins before, but it was a different season. Uh, you know, there's there's tons of background stuff like that through which you can construct this world that uh, that we're operating in, like without the need for the three-page digression about the 500-year-old battle or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, which I love. I love those. I'm not knocking them. It's just you don't have room. You don't have room right. in a comic book. <laughs> no, no, completely fair, completely fair. Uh, I I have to say 100% you are correct about there needing to be a cohesion between art style and the style of book the writer is going for. And I feel like, Chris, is you're fully supporting Willow and her vision. But along those same lines, like I and I'm no artist, but I will say that like, there is something to be said about a colorist who can elevate the art instead of competing with it. And you have fully, like you guys have such a a, a cohesion and just a perfect blend of like, you know, where Chris's inks end and your coloring begins. Have you guys, have you worked before on on projects together? This this is our first time, I think. Yeah, this is our first time, but we both share history, I guess, in the Batman universe yeah. because we're connected through Mark Doyle. I was on Gotham Academy, okay. who uh, Carl Kershaw drew, and uh, we did Isola together afterwards, which was my first big break into high fantasy. Um, I've not colored fantasy before that. And so I think, Chris, you may have discovered my work through Isola. Um, Am I correct? Gotham Academy. Yeah, no. Oh, it was um, Gotham Academy? Academy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, that was my... I was working in comics when Gotham Academy was coming out, and then... Uh-huh. Well, you did, you did like, uh, a, I think I was an issue your, in there, I think. Yeah, I did um, two short story pieces for it, two yeah. separate short story ones. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and that, but we didn't work together on that. That was... They were... It was the sort of one-off story things that were i think the yearbook and something else 
um, mm-hmm. it was like a maps thing I did with James Kenyon. Um, mm-hmm. But that was years ago, and that was, I think you guys were already on uh, volume four, I think, or something like that, or three or four. So you were, mm-hmm. you'd already been way well established, and I was a massive fan of your oh. work way before. Yeah, oh, yeah way, way thank before. you. So, I really um, thought it was Isola yeah, that um, got you like all inspired because that was just it's so I mean, kind of in the same realm of fantasy, right? Like very painterly, yeah. very atmospheric. Yeah. I went, I, yeah, I think I've said before in other stuff, like this, Isola was the book that when I went into this, I wanted it to be a flavor of that. And I've even, mm-hmm. I've, I always have Michelle's color. I'm going to fan out here, oh. Michelle, but I always oh got your, uh, your little coloring book little on there. Because I always refer, I refer to, yeah, I refer to that quite a bit. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, Isla and Michelle's work was already like high up there on an influence for this book and me going in and Carl's work as well. But um, yeah, definitely Michelle was uh, <laughs> a sort of oh, thank you, one, Chris. Like, one thing that I really wanted to bring over into this. And... <clears throat> that's, so, yeah. that's so great. So speaking of influences, <laughs> now I know, Willow, you were inspired by games. Chris, where is your fantasy inspiration coming from? There's something about the way you've designed the characters in the world that simultaneously feels like I've never seen this before and yet feels very comfortable. I wouldn't say it's one particular thing because it's there's so many sort of fantasy things. I mean, I'm a, I'm more of a big in fa- like fantasy fiction. I'm more of a fantasy novel fan. So I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of like Joe Abercrombie and Patrick Rothfuss's fantasy and stuff. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I I don't know. It's kind of I just wanted it to have a a feel of something different. So I've kind of tried to not just draw from too much stuff that I like like directly. Like no no like I didn't want the orcs to look like like sort of World of Warcraft orcs. I wanted them to look a bit like I think I was trying to aim for like a Navi type like you know the Avatar Navi characters. I was kind of like aiming on them being something like bit of a softer orc mm. um the orcs are kind of all influenced by sort of ancient mongolian warriors and stuff and tribes uh and then the humans are sort of more western knights and a bit of like italian sort of feel to them in some ways but you we haven't seen a lot of the humans yet but that's probably what we'll mm. maybe bit more i'm not sure yet (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so when you guys are coming up with you know new ideas for the book has it at this point it feels like it's you know there's like this perfect flow it feels like you guys like i hate to use the word synergy because i'm just like what does that even honestly mean at this point but like there really does seem to be this like incredible connection um from like willow's words and you know your your storylines and the threads and and everything right into chris's art into the colors like when you guys are pitching ideas, does it just feel like you're in this flow state? I, it can, yeah. Like <laughs> usually, when when um, when Chris and Michelle are talking, I just kind of listen. Uh, I mean, we're talking. I mean, I'm not, you know, listening to their phone calls like the CIA. But you know, if there's an email, thread, <laughs> um, you know, I just kind of, uh, you know, watch their back and forth, um, and we'll calibrate as needed. Uh, you know, like for example. Um, dependent on the way that Chris makes a certain orc family look and the way that Michelle will be like, okay, their color scheme is sort of more yellows and oranges. And these guys are kind of more blues and greens. 
um, you know, that helps me decide how much detail do we do we need to get into, uh, you know, with with actual verbiage, with actual words to explain the differences between these families and how much can we jump, you know, right into the conflict. Uh, hopefully the end product feels very naturalistic um, because the goal is that you can kind of sense okay, you know, like these families have this conflict and, you know, there's tension over here. Uh, you know, they're dressed differently dependent on where they're from, you know, whether they're uh, kind of a water going family or they live up in the hills or what have you. Um, and so it, it, it really helps, I hope, the series feel very organic uh, without a lot of the stuff that I think often trips up secondary world uh, stories where you're like, well, as you know, my father and your father, whose names were comma, you know, comma and comma, uh, you know, did this, that and the other. I was like, yes. And as you will have heard X, Y, Z, you know, like just it, it helps us kind of minimize those awkward asides and mm -hmm. jump right into it, which, um, you know, is it's not easy to do. It might look easy. Hopefully it looks easy, but it's not actually easy. <laughs> I can I can tell you 100% you do make it look effortless because the pacing of this book is absolutely incredible you know like you guys are hitting it on every conceivable level uh, of just making a, an incredible product that is not just something for purchase but it is something that is it, it's just a beautiful story like I, I literally I am always thrilled when it comes out and I cannot wait to open it up and you know read what's happening next and see all the visuals and you know just experience this like world of like you know beautiful color that you guys have put on the page is absolutely incredible when you have like new pages what does the workflow look like, like if someone was like interested on in how comics go from like outline script to final product like how long does it take and how many steps because i feel like it's probably more than people think <laughs> it really, you know it really depends um you know oftentimes i'll send in a script uh and then chris will in some scenes make adjustments to the flow of the panels mm -hmm. uh which means Sometimes I will then go back in before lettering and kind of tweak the script a little bit uh, to move the dialogue around appropriately. Um, you know, like if Chris, Chris wants a little bit more decompression in a scene, there might be an added uh, panel or, you know, on the other hand, you know, he might want to say, well, you know, like, let's put this together and make it like a half page splash or something. Um, so usually it's, it's kind of around Robin, you know, I'll send in a script and then Chris works off of that. Uh, I'll go back in and tweak some of the dialogue. Michelle puts on the color and somewhere between, you know, art and color, the lettering will go in. Yeah. Uh, and then we all take a look at that, at that last, you know, phase where everything's lettered and laid out. So we can say like, Ooh, you know, I, I really try to, um, uh, you know, like, as I've said, not, not ramble on and on uh, because you want, you don't want those dialogue balloons to feel obtrusive mm -hmm. to the reading experience. You want to get as much of that kind of background as you can. It's never identical. I feel like one, okay. one issue to the next, it, it really depends on, uh, you know, like how many action scenes there are, uh, you know, how much is tweaked. You give me too many animals for people to ride, then it slows the issue. I'm like so, that. oh yes, that's what I, yeah, that was, that's a huge <laughs> thing in fantasy comics. It's like minimize the writing scenes because they're, this, this is universal in my experience. 
there is nothing an artist hates more than having to draw riding animals. You know, horses. <laughs> I've I've never met an artist who likes drawing horses. They are a pain in the backside. I, I see, yeah. You know what? I actually quite like drawing the animals on this and stuff because we've gone kind of a bit more outlandish with them. But um, it is just I do slow down quite a lot. I mean, it's I doubling say, the characters think, every time there's a writing scene because you've yeah. got a character and a, and a horse type. Well, it's an ox, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Four legged. Yeah. Two extra yeah. legs. <laughs> yeah. There's some strategic long tails that cover up back legs on this yeah, that's right. half you know half portraits or it's like chest up yeah yeah horses and wheels yeah, yeah. like bicycles yeah. or anything wheels in perspective is minimize transportation so is the yeah minimize transportation <laughs> i love that this bikes is such a good tip worst. <laughs> bikes are they worse than horses yeah. bikes um god <laughs> I think I think so. Well, I, I draw a few horses or a set of bicyclists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no bicycles. I'm going to put that in my little notebook. For Obviously, no one bicycles. Of these in the future, you're going to need a series of horses riding bicycles. I think that's <laughs> yes, really that's right. <laughs> I quit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Michelle, do you feel the same way, like in terms of coloring? Is there are there any pages that like you're like, just like yes, I cannot wait to color this, or are there some that like slow you down a little bit? Is it you know, is it things with a lot oh, of Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm actually excited about mostly every scene because it's there's just like a different texture that you could put on everything. But the fighting scenes are interesting because they're left a little more abstract. Like Ooh. you. Chris, you won't generally draw backgrounds in if there's like a huge splash page of things coming up because you don't want it to be dis distracting, right? And so yeah. the part that drains me is like, okay, how do I create a lot of motion and like vibrancy and also some textures in it to make it seem like it's intense and it's moving? And so there's a lot of experimentation that goes on with that. And it needs, the color just needs to be turned up a little more. You'll see, I'll use a lot of blurry effects and like a lot of particle effects that explode in the background. And then it will get hit with a really, really intense color to just to keep, just to pop it. Um, but, you know, I, I love coloring those scenes, but they, it's funny, they're simpler, but they also take a lot longer in, hmm. in some ways. I like that, you know, coloring is, it is a beautiful art, but there's also an element of like, you know, problem solving and finding a solution. Oh to... yeah. Yeah. It's very tactical, very psychological. Um, if I could spend the double the time I could on each book, like that would be perfect for me actually. <laughs> kind of Chris, kind of like you, like releasing a trade paperback and just spending a lot of time per chapter. Cause then you could really build on what exists and then create a script that, you know, flows even more seamlessly within each, each event. I love that. I, well, obviously what we need to do is we need to convince IDW to do an oversized, <laughs> recolored version of it and give you all the time. And then... That would be amazing. <laughs> we'll get on that. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to remind everyone that, you know, this book is, is up to issue five. Issue six is coming out on February 14th. And the uh, collection is going to be coming out on June 11th. I will be getting, I have all the issues. I'm still going to get the collection. I'm that person. I'm like, how many ways can I own a series? Because I will take them all. Please give them to me. Have my money. Um, but um, I also uh, wanted to just, you know, 
just the throwaway kind of like random thing. Is there anything right now that's like inspiring you, making you happy? Like, what is your thing right now? Is it a comic, a game, a book, a show? I don't know, a meme. I'm super stoked for the new season of True Detective. Ooh, oh my country. God, I was just going to say. <laughs> yes, isn't it great? Yes. Oh my gosh, no, I, yes. I love that series. And I, you know, speaking of climate change, I love a good Arctic horror <laughs> story. Um, yes. So. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. really, oh it's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm. It's one of those things where I'm, I'm like, it's not enough just to watch the the episode. I have to then go look for like the podcasts that are talking about it <laughs> to get me through the next week. <laughs> I love it. How about you, Chris? I've just been rewatching Arcane series. Oh, oh. I watched it. Um, oh. and the new season's coming out this year. I think. I think the trailer for it came out the other day. But that's, I love that so much. Um, yeah. And it's just one I can put on in the background and stuff, but I love it. Yeah. It's like, like show gets me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you, Michelle? Or is it also true detective? <clears throat> it's mostly true detectives and discovering movies again. Um, my, my, my kid is now a toddler. So I feel like, you know, I'm a little more free these days. I could go actually enjoy a movie and I, I recently saw Godzilla and it was so mm. beautiful. It was so good. Highly recommend to anyone who hasn't seen it. Excellent. Wait, which which one? Just out of curiosity. Minus, oh, minus one. Everyone yeah. keeps talking about that one. I have not had a chance mm. to see it, but everyone is like, it is, it's unbelievable. It's it's mm. not disappointing. It, it, it won't disappoint you. And the budget for it is insane once you find out how much it costs to create. Oh yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm mm, going to have to go see that. that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for taking some time out of your incredibly busy days um, to talk a little bit about of the behind the scenes uh, for Hunger in the Dusk. Uh, seriously, you've heard me. This is not even because they're all sit sitting here with me because obviously, you know, I want to be positive, but everyone knows I do love this series. I do highly recommend it either go back and get them all just go back and get them all then go and get the the first volume on june 11th you will not be disappointed whatsoever honestly users rated it the number one title on comic book roundup so i mean come on if you're not gonna take my opinion take other people's opinions as well and just go get the book <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you so very much for joining me um you know we'll have details down below for where you can find everyone's um socials if you guys have them because you know that's a weird topic nowadays but if you have them that'll be all down there and, and go follow these people they're incredibly talented again thank you also for being here and for creating this incredible book i really do love it so uh, thank you for that, having us oh no, thank you so much yeah thank you uh so uh thanks everybody for watching and we'll see you guys next time on color pop returns bye